Welcome to the Creekside Community Church Podcast. If you don't yet follow Jesus, we want to provide you with a safe place to explore the Christian faith. If you are a Christian, we want to provide you with resources to help you grow in your faith and ultimately serve Jesus more effectively. For more information or to partner with us, visit our website at creekside.cc. Subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages. We hope this content helps you take your next step with Jesus. Christopher McCandless was born in 1968. Uh, He was an American adventurer. After graduating from college in 1990, he donated his life savings and cut cut off all ties to his family and his friends that he had known to that point. Uh, He hit the road and he began calling himself, or at least signing various places, um, Alexander Supertramp. Uh, His story, his life biography, was made into a film in 2007. A film was called Into the Wild. Uh, I don't know, how how many of you saw the movie Into the Wild or read the book? Okay, quite a few of you. Um, And his goal, well, he had many goals, but he was basically trying to find the genuine life. Like, he wanted to live life to its fullest. And he thought it was found, um, especially in nature, and kind of cutting all ties to all the things that kind of weigh us down and cause stress in life. And I thought the movie was fascinating because it felt like the movie could not decide if he was a hero to be celebrated or a fool to be pitied. And um, I'm going to share with you a video clip. It's about a minute. Um, Again, this is a dramatization of the end of his life. His goal was to spend, survive three months in Alaska in the bush by himself. um, And that is where he died at the age of 24. Um, he starved to death. Uh, it's unclear whether or not he um, mistook what he was eating. That's the way that the movie goes, is that he had accidentally eaten some poison berries. It may have been actually some other complicating factors. We're not actually totally sure. Um, but this is a dramatization of something he did right near the end of his life. Um, and I guess you'll have to press play for me, Rick, because my slides aren't working. Yay for technology. Well, it's obviously a lot more moving when you watch the whole movie, but some of you have seen it, bringing back these uh, feelings and experiences, and it's, it really is a tragedy because this guy is spending so much time and energy, 
and goes out there alone because he thinks that's where real life is found and only to discover as he's already in the process of dying that really all of this is not true happiness because he's all alone. The happiness is only real when shared. I bring all that up as kind of an introduction to today's message um, because we've been exploring in the series a key verse, something Jesus said. Jesus said in John 10, 10, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus came to give us abundant life. And here's what the experience of Christopher McCandless teaches us, as well as our own life experiences, is that the abundant life is not found in isolation. If you want the abundant life, it's actually a life in community and friendship and fellowship. That's where it is to be found. And so over the last few weeks, we've looked at a lot of different things. The, the abundant life is the with God life. It can only be found in Christ. Last week, we looked at this idea of joy, that joy is bigger than just momentary happiness, and that we actually can be joyful all the time, even while we're grieving or, being, or suffering. Um, it's a life of joy that God invites us to. And today, we're looking at the fact that it's also a life of community that God invites us to. But what kind of community? And how do we get it? Um, and this is actually a really big deal to Jesus. It's one of the final things he prayed for, for us. We're going to be looking at that text in just a minute, John 17. If you want, you can begin flipping there. Um, but before we, before we get there, just an initial verse to understand this idea of community and why it actually is so central to why Jesus came. The book of Genesis records that God created us in his image. Uh, if you were here for our IQ Church session, we actually looked at these verses already. Some key verses about what it means to be human. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. Now there's something fascinating about this. God creates all humans in his image, and then it says he creates them, male and female. So when the one God creates humans in his image, he creates plural humans, humans, male and female, that are different from one another. They complement each other, but are different from one another, right? He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And it goes on to record that later on, God saw that it was not good that man is alone. Even before sin happened, even before Adam and Eve rebelled against God and ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat, God looked down and said, it's not good that man is alone. And here's the basic idea. That the reason it's not good for humans to be alone is because we were created in God's image. Because, as we see throughout the rest of Scripture, that God is actually Trinity. God is three in one. The one God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And therefore, if that's true, I know this brings up a lot of questions. We've actually done messages on this, so if this is one of those questions that just hurts your brain, uh, you can go back in our sermon archive and listen. Uh, but what this means is that the core of who God is is relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, an eternal, loving relationship. It's one God in three persons. And so when this one God in three persons in perfect fellowship creates humans in his image, 
he makes us relational beings. Does that make sense? We were wired for community, friendship, fellowship. We are wired for relationship because we're created in the God who at the core of who he is is in relationship. And that's why I think this was on Jesus' mind and heart the night before he was betrayed. John 17 records uh, Jesus' final prayer for his followers. And we're not going to look at the whole passage. Uh, he prays a lot of things for his disciples, the, the, the men that he was training to kind of take over his ministry after his death and resurrection and ascension. But then look at what he's praying. It's like, so he's praying all these things for his immediate followers then. And then he says this. He says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. Jesus prayed for us. What did he pray for us? He said, may they all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. This is crazy to think about. Talk more about it. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So we learned several things from these verses. And I just want to say at the start um, that this kind of oneness that Jesus is talking about here is deeper than you can experience with what is happening right now on an average Sunday morning at church coming um, and sitting and listening. Um, it's really important to read Scripture together, to study together. It's really important to praise God together, to have this thing we call corporate worship. These are all really important. But if you look at what Jesus is talking about, it goes beyond what we're experiencing right now. And I want to invite you to work towards that. So this is what Jesus teaches about community, friendship, fellowship. This community that he wants for us is divine. Now, I don't mean it's divine like when someone makes a really yummy dessert. They're like, it's divine. It's um, not what I'm talking about. Um, Jesus says, literally he says that they may be in us. That God's will somehow is that our life, not you individually, but us together are included in that relationship, that eternal relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here's how one of those apostles who was there put it in one of his letters. Peter writes this. He says that his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And by these things, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share, get this, you may share in the divine nature. And this is a plural you, by the way. It's not saying you may share in the divine nature. It's saying you all. Through these promises, all of us may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. That somehow God's will and what Jesus prayed for is that all of us would be wrapped up into this eternal loving relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That we get to somehow be included in that, experiencing the unity and the oneness of God himself. Community is divine. It's an invitation 
into the communal life of love with God himself. Here's the second thing we learn, is that community is heavy. Any Back to the Future fans? It's heavy. This is heavy, okay? Um, Here's what Jesus says. He says, I have given them, and again, he's not talking about his immediate disciples. He's talking about those who would believe in him because of their word. He's talking about us. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus has given us glory, which is crazy because if you do a word study on that word glory, um, it's almost always used almost exclusively of God's glory. That God is glorious. What does that mean? Well, the, the Old Testament word actually is heavy. It's kavod. Um, God's presence is weighty. It's heavy. You can feel it. And Jesus says, I have given them, my followers, that glory, that heaviness, that weightiness of presence so that they may be one as we are one. Here's this crazy truth. That God, through what he worked through through Jesus, everyone who chooses to follow him has the Holy Spirit indwelling them. And therefore, who's indwelling you? God's presence. And so when we get together and God's presence and you and me and all of us is together, it's this weighty thing. God is actually here through all of us together who have chosen to follow him. So community is not just divine. It's not just an invitation in God's love. It's actually glorious. We carry the weight of God's presence in our life together. And then finally, did you catch it? It's really fascinating. Jesus says several times, he says it twice, that the result of all of this will be other people, outsiders, coming to know God. Let me read it to you one more time and see what he says. Jesus says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. May they all be in one. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. End result of Christian community is so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are in one. And then he says it again. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one that the world may know. You have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That's why A.W. Tozer wrote that an authentic Christian community becomes a living advertisement for Jesus. It showcases his life-transforming power in ways that words alone cannot convey. Christian community actually has this evangelistic purpose. It's one of the ways we can share the gospel is by having good fellowship, good life together. So I want to give you an image to keep in your mind. So if you've kind of been fading out because I've been talking, uh, (laughs) bring it back in, and this maybe will tie some things together. I want you to picture for a minute an orchestra. Um, Or if you don't like orchestras, you can picture a a band. Um, And how it's really fascinating because I was trying to think of an image to get at the idea of what unity is and isn't. Because how many of us have heard over and over again, unity is not uniformity, right? Right, 
it's like become a cliche. And I actually, when I was preparing for this, I was like, I don't want to just say unity is not uniformity. <laughs> like, what is it? That's a negative definition. That's like green is not black. Thank you. Okay. Um, what, what is it though? What, what is unity then? And I came across this illustration. I thought it was perfect. Um, an orchestra or a band playing together is a perfect picture of unity. Because each player, they're not doing the same thing, are they? They're not even playing the same instrument. Very different instruments coming together, but they're united. They're united because they're playing the same piece and they're led by the same um, director or conductor, right? This is a good picture of what unity means. We're all different. We're all different. And yet we can be unified when we work together to play the same song and listen to the same conductor. And if you want to apply this to Christian community, the idea is that the song is the way of Jesus, the way of discipleship, following him in our everyday life. And the conductor is the Holy Spirit, nudging you and you and you and you in your heart to do what God has called you to do. And as each of us obey that, it's like we're playing this beautiful song together. See, the key to unity is having a bigger purpose, a common goal that we're all working towards. In a symphony or a band, right, you have this common bigger goal that brings you together, that you're working towards, that you're playing together. And that's like Christian community. We're united by our common overarching goal. And finally, one last way to picture this, is that people take time out of their busy schedules and pay hundreds of dollars. Why? Because the music is so beautiful to experience. When you see all kinds of people using their different gifts and bringing them together, when you have a great piece of music and a great conductor or a great band, I don't know, uh, I just keep singing my new CD, all this thing about Taylor Swift breaking every single record. Maybe Taylor Swift is your thing, okay? Uh, regardless, right? It's people, I mean, how much money are people spending to see, to experience that, right? But the point is the same. It's, you're experiencing something beautiful come together. It's attractive. And Christian community is like that, except, good news, it's free. But again, it, when we come together, when you're, we're unified in this way, it's attractive and people want to see it. It has this evangelistic purpose. Does that make sense? And I was just thinking about how it is true that this is how it's supposed to be. This is the goal. And I know just oftentimes we don't make it. Uh, we fail to achieve this goal. Uh, we let other things divide us that I don't think should. Especially when you realize how many things we actually have in common. If you are a follower of Jesus, actually, I love, um, Debbie, you said that, um, about how, like, we share so much in common if you are a follower of Jesus. We share a common salvation, redemption through Christ. We offer our primary allegiance to the same Lord, Jesus. We treasure a common first love in our hearts, who is God, and we speak the same heart language of faith. And that's just the beginning. 
These are just the most important things. And my point is simply this. Is that if all that's true, then none of the things that could possibly divide us are as great as the one who can unite us. If you're a follower of Jesus, the most important things about you are also true of every single other follower of Jesus. And so we should come together. We should be united. And we should be experiencing what Jesus prayed for. Unity, oneness, not just with God, but with each other. And so I'm going to get more specific in a minute, but uh, the big application today is don't settle for counterfeit community. I think oftentimes we settle for something less than this beautiful picture that God invites all of us to. Don't do that. Don't settle for less. Let's strive for what Jesus worked for. Um, I remember uh, when Janelle and I were going to college, we went to a great church, Santa Barbara Community Church, and um, they called their, their small groups life groups. And I remember being very intimidated the first time I finally signed up for a life group. I had been going to the church for over a year, and then finally I was like, okay, they keep talking about these groups. I guess I should sign up. So uh, we signed up for a group, and um, after I experienced it for a few months, I was like, oh, I get it. And I loved experiencing, like we had a very diverse group. We had someone in our group who was, um, had like a teen kid, parents of a teen. We had someone else who was just newly married. They didn't have any kids. Then we had a couple uh, college age kids. And um, it was amazing to share life together, to hear honestly and vulnerably from them, their struggles, um, to support each other through those things. And it actually, it actually ruined me in a good way for anything less than that. <laughs> what I mean is, for years after this, someone would be like, oh, come to our group. And I would go, and it was like a Bible study. I was like, okay, Bible studies are fine. They're good. But this, that's not a group, right? That's not a, we're not connecting. We're not actually sharing what's really going on in life. They're like, oh, come to my small group. And I go, like, you guys are sharing, like, if this is like the surface level and this is like really deep, you're sharing like right here, like, come on, like, let's go deeper. And some of you here at Creekside, same thing has happened to you. Or you've experienced in our connection groups that depth and knowing each other and caring for each other and how good that can be. And, and what I want is to invite all of us, if you have not experienced in that, to step towards that today. Don't settle for counterfeit community. This is what Christian community is supposed to look like. Christian community is where we really share what is really going on, okay? Where we don't stop with, fine, okay, I'm busy, the end. Okay. We really share what is really going on. And not only do we really share, it's a safe place to share because we're accepted for who we are and where we are but then, this is important, we're challenged to keep moving forward. See, counterfeit community does one or the other. Counterfeit community can either say, you're only going to be accepted here if you have your act together. That's counterfeit community. You're accepted however messed up you are. Because after all, isn't that the gospel? <laughs> None of us have it together. We all need Jesus. You're accepted for who you are and where you are. But then your challenge to keep going. See, counterfeit community can also happen on the other end where they say, um, 
you know, wherever you are, that's fine. Just stay there forever. Oh, went high acceptance and high challenge. We accept you, whoever you are, wherever you are, and then we're going to point towards Jesus because that's where we're all going and moving towards and we're following him together and we're going to hold you accountable to stepping forward, to taking those baby steps of faith. And we move finally from offering good advice to offering ourselves. We don't just offer advice, oh, here's how you can fix that. We offer ourselves. We share life together. We show up for one another. We offer ourselves. And I just love, um, I just feel like over the past year, I've begun seeing this more and more. So on Sunday mornings, we have various connection groups that meet, and um, I kind of float around. Uh, I go to different groups. And I just was thinking um, how one of the groups we went to, they were sharing prayer requests, and someone in that group shared something, and then their spouse said, this is the first time they've shared this with anyone, um, and I knew they needed to. And I'm so glad they did. Like, I'm the only one who's known about this struggle for not just years, in this case. It was decades. Like, that's the kind of place we want to be. So, really easy application. If you're not part of one of our connection groups, sign up, okay? Um, We want to make this really obvious. Sometimes, like, I'm like, hey, sign up. And people are like, I didn't see the sign-ups. So you probably saw this when you came in. How many of you saw the balloons? Hey, all right. You could not miss the sign-ups today. We have a table out there with balloons on it. And uh, if you're watching at another time or online, I decided, you know what? You should get balloons, too. So here you go. Um, (laughs) You also get balloons. Uh, We want everyone who's not part of a group to join a group, uh, to consider joining a group. And uh, we try and make this really easy. We have groups that meet Sunday mornings at 9 They're going to start meeting on September 10th after Labor Day. Um, We also have groups that meet during the week. If Sunday does not work for you, we have several midweek groups. Um, Janelle and I actually kind of do both. We host a midweek group in our home. There's other ones around. Um, So first step, if you're not part of a group, would you just sign up as you head out today? Would you consider joining one? We'll have signups out next week too. You can join online at any point. Uh, You can scan the QR code. We'd love for you to get involved in a group. And if you um, were part of a group, like, get ready to get back into this. Um, like, let's, let's get ready. Uh, maybe if you meet in one of those midweek groups, it might be start, time to start texting those people and be like, hey, when are we starting again? Um, is everything ready? Anything I can do to help? Um, but be part of a group. Now, I want to give a warning, okay? Uh, community the way Jesus pictures is something that we have to work for together. And it takes time. It takes time. How long did it take for you to make your best friend? If you're married, how long did it take to really get to know your spouse, to develop that relationship? Relationships take time. So please do not sign up for a group, come the first Sunday, and like, ah. It wasn't as nice as Luke talked about, (laughs) Um, it takes time. Be, be patient with the process. And this is something to work for together. And just one quick tip is I want to encourage you, regardless of what other people are sharing, to risk openness, to risk vulnerability. 
one of the easy ways to do this is just consistently share one level deeper. I mean, if, like, if you put on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, how are you doing? Fine. To, you know, sharing your deepest, darkest secret, that's like a level 10, right? Don't go to 10. That would be weird, okay? <laughs> okay, don't do that. Um, but don't settle for one or two, all right? It might be uncomfortable, but share at a level three one week. And you know what's going to happen? Lord willing, uh, you're going to experience acceptance and challenge. And then next week, maybe you risk sharing at a 3.2, okay? <laughs> but if you keep doing that, what's happening? You're risking more of yourself. And you know what you don't realize is that when people do that in groups, uh, us who are group leaders and facilitators, we know this and we see this. The, the group tone gets set by people who share. And some of you experience this, right? Like you're in a group and, um, you know, someone asks a question and people are answering and it's kind of at a level two answer. And then someone answers, answers at like a level four. And everyone kind of like, is like, oh, can I go again? Because right? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go as deep as I should have before. And now I know it's a safe place to do that. And finally, look for ways to give, not just receive. I've been kind of talking about like, the benefits to you of being a group. And they are benefits of being in a group. But here's the thing. The Bible teaches that not just are like their benefits of being in a group. Yes, great. But also, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you and he's given you gifts and he's given you insights and things to, and life experiences. And the truth is there are other people in your group who need the wisdom you have to offer them as well. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, let us consider one another I don't just consider you and your benefits. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together. And in this context, they're actually not talking about this gathering together. They're talking more about in homes, sharing life together. Don't neglect to gather together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So, long story short, uh, you don't have to be in a group, but I really want you to be in a group if you're not in one. Um, it's really good. And there are people who need the insights you have to offer. But maybe for whatever reason, you're not in that place of life. Still, Christian community is what we are called for. And so, find a way to develop that and work for it and keep pressing forward with the close Christian friends and community that you have don't settle for level one. Keep pressing deeper. This is what Jesus prayed for. And when we work to embody this and live it out, we experience actually deeper relationship with God, right? It's all of us together with God. I and them and us and them, however Jesus said that. None of that, it's glorious. His presence is there in a special way like no other place. And finally, it's attractive. When we do this, when we work towards this, it acts as this lighthouse for others to see, wow, that's what it can be like. None of the things that divide us are as great as the one who can unite us. And so we're going to close uh, in prayer and in song, and we're going to celebrate that our God can do anything.
that he's the one who makes a way in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And so we want to pray for that and consider that. Um, if there is something that's uh, on your heart that you really need immediate prayer for, I want to encourage you and challenge you to go to uh, that back corner right there. Our prayer team will be there, and they're happy to pray with you about whatever's on your heart and mind. Um, otherwise, let's all respond individually to God the way the Holy Spirit is nudging us right now. So God, thank you for Thank you for the gift that Christian community is and can be. God, help us not to settle for a counterfeit, something less than what you, Jesus, prayed for us for. Because when it happens, it is so beautiful and so good to have a place of complete acceptance where it's safe to take off our masks, to share what's really going on. Help our groups here um, become those kinds of places. And for all of us, would you give us those kinds of Christian friends? Help us do our part to strengthen those relationships, to be there for each other in the ways you've called us to. Because you came to give us abundant life, and it's not found all alone. It's found in community with you, God, first of all, but also with this crazy church family that you give us. So thank you so much. Uh, help us each respond the way you've called us to now. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.